Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello and the Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I find these amazing people who share their insights with you, and I do hope they inspire you. And if you love this episode, please share with others, download, rate, review, so we can continue to build great content for you. And just know the reason why I do all of this is I really, truly, truly care about the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence through this platform and any of my other services. But today, I am so honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Shelby Waklu, who is a technology leader and international keynote speaker. She's the former head of data and analytics at Strava and Komodo Health, and every year she speaks at 25-plus global conferences and Fortune 500 corporate events on self-advocacy and data. And her 16-year career has included companies such as Salesforce, Fitbit, and software startups she co-founded. She is an advocate for self-advocacy. She's got this amazing background in education. And by the way, husband and 60 plants, we're going to go there. Shelby, welcome to the Drop-In CEO podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. I'm such a huge fan of the work you do, and I've really enjoyed your podcast. So it's an honor to be here. Oh, you're so gracious. And I didn't pay you to say that, but thank you so much. I really need that because I, through, you know, people like you that I bring onto the show, we're just trying to provide value for people in the moment and maybe take it through their career. And a quick shout out to Neil Thompson. Neil Thompson, he's an amazing connector. He says, you got to talk to Shelby. She has some great insights. And of course, we share a technical background together, which we want to be able to elevate people. But here is the thing that I want people to know. The topic of self advocacy while we've probably skirted that around in some of my other interviews we have never delved deep into that and she has written a book self-advocacy your guide to getting what you deserve at work and we're going to go deep into this you need to hear about it but welcome to the show and I just would love for you to share about yourself personally with my audience and how did you arrive at this important piece of work yeah, self-advocacy is something that I have now been talking about for four and a half years. And initially, my sessions about it were more catharsis for me because it was a topic that I struggled with myself. I think so many of us in our careers have been at those points where we have looked at other people and said, why are they getting promoted for doing the same work and I'm not? And what is the difference and why is my positioning a little off that people admire what I do, they're happy with what I do, but I still somehow am not actually getting rewarded for it. So I definitely, through my career as a tech leader, it took me a long time to get good at the self-advocacy skills. It was not something that came naturally to me. But over time, when I added a little bit more structure to the process of self-advocacy, I thought I had learned something with that and I wanted to share it. And it was just a topic that resonated with so many people that I felt I must keep sharing about it. 
What I love about that is the fact that you had the courage to write down and distill a system or a process for something that you had unique thoughts about and then realizing not enough people are talking about this so there's not enough information out there to put yourself out there because I find so many people have their thoughts and then they say, oh, nobody's going to believe in me. Nobody's going to listen to me. And I say, no, write these things down. You may have something so important to share yeah. with the world. So kudos to you for having the courage to pursue this work and advocate for others who lack some of those skills. Thank you. So I got to ask you, <laughs> when I read your bio, 60 plants, you some might say like, oh boy, but I look at your background here. I see you happen to have background with a lot of plants. Tell me, yeah. tell me why. Why? It's curious. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, I love plants. They make me happy. It's just nice to see them. But, you know, they say that the plants just kind of find you after some time. So <laughs> I started with a couple and then I propagated a few of them. And then my friends started noticing that I'm good at keeping my plants alive. So if they were leaving town, they'd hand me their plants. And so it just grew from there. So, yes, I love being surrounded by plants. It's very calming. <laughs> I see you gain a lot of joy from that. So it's important we pursue some of our interests because it just fuels our energy to be able to do this work. So again, I just want to understand, you know, what inspired you to write the book? Because again, you had these unique thoughts. You had these experiences. It's a lonely road writing, I know. But what inspired you to say, I am going to do this and put this work out into the world? I think I have been really lucky that from the first time I ever spoke about self-advocacy, I still remember it was the Right Speak Code conference. And I had a slot in a 100-person room, which was packed. And my title of my presentation at that time was how to hashtag humble brag effectively. <laughs> so it was a topic that I think, you know, just the title of it seemed to resonate with enough people that it packed up that room. But I was just sharing and people's reaction to it was so positive. There were so many people who came to me after the event and said, hey, you know, you started talking about all these mental narratives that prevent us from even thinking about self-advocacy. And I have said those exact same words to myself. So your reframing of how to reframe some negative perceptions and transfer it into something positive is something that I'm going to act on. I'm so appreciative of anybody in my career, especially in the last few years, who has taken the time to acknowledge that things that I shared helped them, that they took action items that I shared and they tried it the next day and they felt good about themselves. They felt confident. I think those are the sort of things that really make you feel that you have something of value to share. And I took on the challenge of writing it because I thought that's a way to share it with more people. You know, how many people can I speak to in a conference? But there might be a lot more people who can get access to my book. It was hard. <laughs> I'm a first-time author, but I really appreciate people who, who gave me that positive feedback because I think without that, I wouldn't have had the courage to go through with the whole process. Mm, and I'm so glad that you pursued that and you bring up an important point is that, again, in addition to just having thoughts that resonate with others, have the right support system to help you then increase and amplify that reach. But you said it was hard. What was hard about writing the book? <laughs> I have asked some of my friends who have done PhDs, because that's another thing that's really hard to do, you know, not directly comparing the two, but it is interesting. I think Writing a book 
if you are doing it because you feel you have something of value to share, you still have to have that motivation to, to finish it. You know, how do you decide that you're going to finish the book in a year or you're going to finish it in 10 years? <laughs> There's lots of choices to make. And especially for a person like me, like I know how to put stuff down on paper, but what do you do then? Do you take it to a publisher? Do you self-publish? How do you really figure out? So I found that process very hard, but I I think I did a good job of being vulnerable and just asking for help. So we mentioned Neil Thompson earlier, and he was fantastic at connecting me with so many people who were willing to chat, share their experience. You shared your experience <laughs> with me, and it was really helpful because I think after I'd spoken to 10 or so people, I... I felt really inspired. I'm like, there's a community of folks who are willing to share their knowledge, who are willing to help. If I really get stuck at some point, I can reach out and someone is going to push me in the right direction and just help me through to get to that end point. So you navigated the challenge of it was hard and you didn't know how to do it, but by leveraging the network, you found a way. Again, I talk to leaders about this. Sometimes we hold ourselves back from doing something because we've never done it before. But if we have the vision and resourcefulness, we will find a way. When you finished the book, how did you feel? You got over that challenge. How did you feel when you finished the book? Yeah, I am very grateful to have had the opportunity to write about something that I really care about, that I'm very passionate about, that I believe can help people. So I'm very proud of myself for, you know, writing a book that so far people have responded really well to. And yeah, I feel great. I'm now of the opinion that everybody should write a book. Everybody has a story to tell. They have something to share that is something that someone else might be struggling with. So if there's anything in your life that you have struggled with and then you found a way around it, I think that's a story worth sharing. I think that's a story that people want to hear because people want stories of how to get over something that is difficult. You know, that's part of our human experience. So that may be one of the best quotes or things on this podcast so often because we we hold ourselves back. And I know holding ourselves back also leans into some of your work around self-advocacy. What I'd love to know, though, is obviously there had to be something that led up to this work. And I'm wondering what were some of the challenges that you had in your career and how did you learn self-advocacy? Just tell us a little bit because I want people to resonate with you and say, yep, that's me. I need to learn what <laughs> Shelby knows. Honestly speaking, my career start was fantastic. I think I was really lucky that early on in my career, I had, you know, great managers, people in positions of power who supported me, who provided me the right opportunities. So in some ways, it almost felt like I didn't have to advocate for myself as much because I had people who were helping me with that. As the story goes, situations change. You might change a job. You might have a manager who leaves or maybe you switch teams or maybe something different happens and it was that little click moment in my career where I suddenly realized and you know I worked with one company for six years but I worked in three different offices I had a ton of different managers and I eventually changed to another company I ran my own company it started clicking for me that if I don't take the reins of my career in my own hands then I'm always relying on someone else and then it really depends on whether they are willing to help. They have the capacity to help. I realized that I should have that control or as much of it that I can control myself. 
I went through some transitions where I had two companies that I joined back to back where they gave me a promotion within the first couple of months of joining. And initially, I felt really good about that. I said, wow, I'm so great that I joined these companies and they give me a promotion. And then I changed my lens and I realized that, wait, why wasn't I able to showcase the fact that I was at a higher level during the interview? You know, if they could see it once I was on the job and so quickly, that means I was underleveled when I came in. <laughs> and it was it was such an unlock for me that, you know, when is the right time to showcase your value? What is the right messaging that resonates with people so that you are not always playing catch up to what your worth is, to what value you are providing, and you can proactively shape the way people perceive you, the way people understand your value in words that resonate with them. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track, to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. So I'm going to go a little bit off my plan to ask a question of you because you had those aha moments to realize I needed to do something differently. I needed to take the reins of my own career and again, develop those self-advocacy skills. But what would you say to the person that's holding themselves back? Because I'm sure there's people that think I need to, but either culturally, they don't move themselves forward. I want you to help them change their mindset that how can you help the person that says, no, I can't, no, I can't. How can you help them to say, yes, I can? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question because I really do believe, you know, I've I've spoken, I've mentored more than 350 people at this point over the last few years. And it's one of the mindsets that I hear the most often. One of them is, I don't actually do anything that's that great. Like, what is what is the special thing? Like, you know, a lot of people just, they kind of underplay their own value. So they're like, oh, what's the big deal? I didn't, you know, I was hired to do a job and then I did it. And I'm like, if you didn't do that job, it wouldn't get done. You did something of value. So I think the first step for most of us is not devaluing what we are providing not selling ourselves short where we are second guessing why we should be rewarded. I really encourage people to think about it in that value perspective that instead of saying, I didn't do anything of value, say what would have happened if you didn't do that. If you were not good at your job and if you were not able to finish projects on time, or if you weren't able to catch something that prevented a bigger problem down the road, what would that cost the company? you know, money, time, there's something to think about. So I really encourage people to start thinking what happens if they don't do their work well. 
And I think that changes their perspective a little bit and they stop devaluing their own work. You know, the other thing that you said, which I, again, 100% agree with that a lot of people don't want to do it. They think of it as, I'm not a salesperson, so why should I have to sell myself? I'm a technical person. I'm an engineer. Someone else is supposed to do the selling. But in honesty, you work with CEOs and you know this more than anybody else that even CEOs who are at the top of their profession, who, you know, that is the highest you can get to in a company, even they have to sell. They have to sell to their investors, to their board, to their customers. They have to sell to their employees and make sure that their employees are excited about working for them and joining them and in really putting their passions behind that work. So I think everybody's job, whether it comes in the job description or not, there is a part of it which requires you to sell. And the sooner you actually practice that skill, the sooner you will be prepared for that real investment that's going to pay dividends in your career later on. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, I am shaking my head now because I'm saying, oh my goodness, again, I was a technical leader and they taught me how to do my job well, but I did not learn the skills of selling. And again, it's not tooting my own horn, which is an expression of like being boastful or showy, which in some societies is not favorable. On the other hand, sometimes we err on the side of being too humble. Culturally, there are cultures that say, you know, don't be showy, just do your job and you'll get recognized. What is wrong with that <laughs> philosophy? Yeah. And I 100% push back on that because I think that if people recognize that them showcasing their work is actually a way of giving back to others who may be struggling with something similar, to others who may be really trying to find the way. Like if I did something that was hard and I figured it out, there are 10 other people right now who are probably struggling with the exact same thing. So you sharing that you took on something hard and got it done is actually a service of sharing, of learning, and of giving people hope that, you know what, I acknowledge that this is hard, but I was able to do it. I'm willing to help you to do it as well. and know that there is that light at the end of that tunnel. So I come from that same culture, you know, keep your head down. If you're good, you'll get rewarded. But honestly, if people don't see your work, you know, you're shining a light in a different room, then people can't see your light. So you really have to step up and come out and make sure that people understand that you have you have something of value to offer. You know, you just used a word that I just want to play back to you and you use the word of hope. You know, people have to have hope. Now, hope could be like, oh, I wish and I hope somebody recognizes me. But the other connotation is giving people hope that there is a better way that, you know, if I do provide value, if I can share my knowledge with others, I have everything I need to be able to then say, I want, I need, I should have more, not from an entitlement perspective, but again, to advocate for the things that you need that reward you for your value. So I love the use of the word hope. It's very, yeah. very powerful. But what I would love for you is we've been talking about this, and I think everybody is nodding their head. Self-advocacy is really important in order to get what we deserve at work and probably in life in general. But I don't know if you could maybe give an example 
whether it's employment or compensation, with some actionable tips because I want people to come away and say, yep, that's me. I was thinking of going in for a promotion or more money, and I just need a few tools without giving away the book. Because by the way, she wrote a book. I want everybody to pick up a copy. But what are some things that they should think about when they're going into such a scenario? And what tips can you give them to prepare them? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for plugging my book as well. I I appreciate it because I do have chapters in my book that are dedicated to specific pieces, how to get a promotion, how to negotiate a job offer. And, you know, like you correctly pointed out that self-advocacy applies to our life as well. So just how to focus on happiness and that joy every day. I think of a lot of career-related pieces as how do you go after what is fair for you and how do you frame it in a way that it aligns with the other person and is almost seen as mutually beneficial. You know, to pick up that example of promotion or compensation, it's not just you who benefits when you are promoted or when you are paid fairly. The company is benefiting too, because by making sure that they are rewarding your talent appropriately, they are keeping an employee who is happier, who is going to be more excited about the job that they're doing. and who's not going to be looking for the other job. There are so many managers who complain that, oh, I had this great employee and then they quit, you know, because someone else gave them more money and they're complaining about it because they're upset. And I'm like, why didn't you give them more money? (laughs) Or, you know, if you didn't have the budget, why didn't you figure out what else is important to them that will keep them? And it really comes down to that, Maybe that person didn't feel the psychological safety of bringing up the fact that they are unhappy with their compensation or that they would be a lot more motivated if they had a promotion or a title or or some acknowledgement that their work is valuable. So so it's, it's to both sides. Like my book, of course, speaks to the employees and teaches them how to ask. So, you know, with the promotion example, I say like actually start documenting what would it take to get a promotion? What do you need to showcase? Whose feedback do you need? What are the sponsors who can help you? And like really take charge of it where I have a little worksheet in there and I encourage people to fill it out. It's not a guarantee that you fill out the worksheet and you'll get it, but I really think it helps people start thinking about it in a more structured manner and in a manner where they start trying their best to control the outcome for themselves. And that's why I'm grateful that you have written this piece of work, because giving people a framework removes the barrier of, I don't know where to start. And so you giving them the tools to help them down the path, and so they can self-advocate once, and they can self-advocate many times. And so grateful for that. But we've been talking about it from the employee perspective, and also thank you for sharing your experience. But What should companies be doing when it comes to self-advocacy? Because we've been talking about the employee perspective, but why is it important for companies to consider this essential skill or invest in it? I'm just curious about that because, again, we want those leaders also to reach out to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think over the last few years, we've heard from a lot of companies that say they really want to invest in their employees, they want to invest in their skills, they want to provide them the right tools for success. And I think the self-advocacy tool is something that is beneficial to both sides. 
An employee, of course, benefits because they are more likely to speak up and take actions in their self-interest, which is good for their careers. And, you know, building that muscle again, it helps them in their personal life as well. It helps them throughout their career journey and not just from one job to another. But for companies, the big advantage is, I think there are some very noticeable things. I mentioned the attrition risk, which is a huge problem for companies. If an employee leaves, that's a huge cost to a company if a good employee leaves. I also think that there is a general reduction of business risk when people are comfortable telling you what they need. It's not just about a promotion or compensation. When I was running a department and people came and told me, they said, you know what? Our tools are so outdated. We need something which is faster. We need like we need you to spend some amount of effort getting us tools that help us do our jobs better. That only happens when people are comfortable advocating for themselves, for their team needs, for them doing their job easier, for them pointing out that, hey, there's an issue with the way we deal with the data in our company. It can cause a bigger problem later. So when you encourage those things, you're almost reducing business risk because you are hearing about problems before they become a big problem. And you're hearing about it from people who are on the front lines, who have the capacity to point out things that can be fixed, point out challenges that they have. And if they don't feel comfortable advocating for themselves, for their teams, most of the times they are thinking about it from their perspective. They are annoyed that it's taking them 10 minutes to do something, which if they just had a tool, it would be much faster. But it helps everyone. When you have employees who come and say that, hey, this new policy you've rolled out is unfair, and they're talking about themselves, they're talking about their situation, but there's probably 10 other employees who also think it's unfair. So having that one employee come and explain you that entire piece, mm-hmm. they're doing you a favor because they are helping you understand a business risk that you can tackle today and not just wait for it to sort of become a big issue. So the other thing you've got me thinking, again, you see me writing down all these notes while you're talking about why should companies invest in self-advocacy. Again, you talked from the individual perspective. If they can advocate for themselves, they're probably advocating for others. Again, you have better employee satisfaction, employee retention. But I also am thinking about then there may still be middle leaders, middle leaders that have those employees that advocate for themselves and then the leaders don't know what to do with the information. They may not have the courage or the support system to be able to carry through what is being advocated for and for them to sell as well. That could be a barrier, but also an opportunity for a company. It's not just the people from the bottom, 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 but middle leadership can benefit when they receive that information for self-advocacy because they might say, let me get back to you. And then it goes into an abyss and the employee never hears from again. So I am a little concerned that you teach these people new skills to advocate for themselves. But if it goes nowhere, there's some risk there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think promoting self-advocacy at all levels, so not just, just to the individuals, but to the middle leaders, To the senior leaders, like I think senior leaders also need to advocate for what's best for the company. We had situations a few years ago where people asked for a lot of things and the market was very different and leaders also needed to get better at pushing back on what is best for the business overall and really explaining that. That, hey, yes, we can, you know, pay for this really fancy offsite in this really amazing location and spend a lot of money. You all claim it'll make you happy. But then that means we have a lot more to hit in terms of our business numbers. 
and you know explain those trade-offs to people so that they understand what it is that they're asking for. So I do think that everybody at all levels benefits from being able to advocate for what is good for them, but what is good for the team. Because advocating for people you care about is advocating for yourself. If your happiness is tied to it, it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> and this is why I brought you onto the show, because I also remember one instance, it was about 20 years ago, and I advocated for myself to get a promotion. I went in with everything prepared. I was scared, but I wrote everything down. I got it. And what I find is that 80% of the time when you advocate or sell yourself in a way that shows your value, most of the time, even if you don't get it, you're at least heard. You do wind up coming away with something, but I'll tell you, in most cases, you actually might succeed. So amazing, amazing conversation. And I really want people to think about their situation, think about their company, and how might they benefit from self-advocacy. Again, she wrote the book, Self-Advocacy, Your Guide to Getting What You Deserve at Work, and it could be in anywhere. But I want people to connect with you. So as we bring this to a close, are there any last thoughts you want to share with your audience or you know, ways of getting a hold of you? Because you've got so much value <laughs> to provide individuals and companies. I appreciate that. I think, you know, if there's one thing that I hope people take away is that advocating for yourself is worth it. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to have your needs be acknowledged at the very least. And I do believe that everybody, wherever they are in their self-advocacy journey, I do think that they can figure out that plan of how to improve it. You know, everybody may have a different starting point, but figure out where you are at and where you want to be and i you know i can i can help with sort of creating the plan that that gets you where you want to be so if people would like to get in touch with me the easiest place is my website shalvi.com easy peasy <laughs> and uh, you can learn more about my book i offer coaching sessions you can connect with me on social media and i also work directly with companies or any groups who want to hire me to deliver sessions for their groups and I also have a lot of free videos available about some various content. All right. Well, I am so grateful that Neil introduced us because I have found a gem in terms of some thought leadership and true value to provide to executives, senior leaders, companies who recognize the value of self-advocacy. At the end, it may yield top-line growth, improve bottom-line profitability. And I want everybody to, at a minimum, check out Shelby's work, connect with her, and uh, have a conversation. So it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for dropping in, Shelby. Thank you so much again for having me, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.